That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about sharing the gospel, about loving Colleen, and about doing that sometimes willingly and sometimes by the scruff of our necks. So, I guess I should introduce myself, huh? First service was really empty this morning. I was nervous that everyone was out of town, but it looks like everyone is in town. Y'all are just here with us for the second service. Well, I want to let you know my name is Joey. I am one of the pastors here, just not the pastor you see up here every single week. Dave is out of town, but he's not far. He's just in Copper's Cove. Uh, We have a church plant in Copper's Cove called Watershed Church. So if you live out in Cove, I want to tell you that this is not the only good church in town, and we'd love for you to visit them. They're closer to you if you live in Cove. Go love Jesus over there with them if you want to. Check them out. They're an awesome church. Dave's over there with them, helping them out today. Uh, I want to recognize, too, as we get started, uh, this holiday weekend, this Memorial Day weekend, that it's, uh, it's sometimes a tough weekend for us. Um, we, we honor sacrifices. Um, we honor those who've given their lives this weekend. And I also want to recognize that it's also just a weird week um, because of what's been happening uh, in, in our state, in our country, uh, with violence. Um, there's just been several things in the past week that have been hard and tough and a reminder that the place we live in, this world, is a bad place and it's not our home. But also a reminder today, we'll be reminded again through our sermon series, I Heart Colleen, that this is our home for now and that we're called here for now. Um, so we need to more than ever be encouraged by the gospel um, so we can make sense of a crazy world. I want to also let you know that the kids are with us this week. The 18 and unders are with us this week and the next couple weeks as we prepare for impact and we do impact. I want you kids to know that you are welcome here, that we are glad you are here, that you are part of this church, of this gathered body of believers. Parents, I want you to know that they're not distracting anybody. Uh, Maybe you, but that's it. Um, So don't worry about them. Don't stress about it. Uh, we'll be all right, I promise. If you need some help, uh, we've got some crayons and coloring uh, pages in the back. Uh, If you feel like you need to step out, you're welcome to step out. But please don't feel like your kids are an annoyance. Anybody else, your kids are part of this church, and they are welcome here, especially these next three weeks when we have nothing else for you, no other space for you to go except here. You're stuck with us. Um, So we're continuing our, our, our I Heart Colleen series today. It's a series about how the gospel challenges us to love our city. Yes, our city. Yes, Colleen, Texas. The gospel actually challenges us to love it. So we've been talking about that, about being called here, about being sent here. And I want to look today a little bit at a story of someone who was called to a great city like our great place and, um, and how he acted and what he did. Um, usually, uh, when you come and join us, we're going through a sermon series that's in one book of the Bible. All the texts that will go week by week are in order. Um, that is a great method to study the Bible. That's what we almost always do here. But we're taking a short pause for a few weeks to talk about loving Colleen, uh, especially leading up to Impact, what we've been talking about all the time for the last couple months. Impact is our big evangelistic outreach to the city. It is spearheaded by our youth, but it doesn't happen without the rest of the church together. So like Steve said, we need your help in that. So we're taking a little break from our series in one book, and we're doing kind of topical. And today we're going to talk about sharing the good news and how uh, we have an example from Scripture of someone who did it by the scruff of the neck. God had to grab him 
and throw them uh, into actually obedience and obeying and sharing the good news. And sometimes uh, we can do it willingly. So I want to encourage you to not follow the example from Scripture today, that you would um, ignore this prophet and his bad actions, but you would see them and see God's goodness uh, through him, and that you would share the good news willingly to the city here, to our city where God has called us to be. Uh, so you can turn to your Bible. You've probably already figured it out to the book of Jonah. If you're borrowing a Bible from us, there are Bibles in the pews in front of you on the bottom in that bench. Um, you can grab it and we'll be on page 775 inside of those Bibles. So if you're borrowing one of ours, page 775. Otherwise, um, close to the end of the Old Testament, probably about three quarters of the way through your Bible, you'll find the book of Jonah. Um, and as you turn there, I guess I have to give you an obligatory uh, how I got to clean, why I came to clean, the PCS military story, right? So when we're choosing our duty stations, sometimes we get to, to make some choices and make some options. And so we made an order of merit list of where we wanted to go next, where we want to be sent. And I bet you all can guess where Fort Hood Clean Texas was on my list. Where was it? Y'all are wrong. It was the very first one on my list. It really was. I chose Fort Hood, Texas. I chose Colleen. It was the first place I wanted to go. Now, probably not for good, actual good reasons. Uh, I wanted to come here because I had friends here. So I was like, man, I can go be with my friends. Um, we can spend some time together. We can maybe get uh, a duty together. Who knows? And I really wanted to come here because I had heard about the history of the third then armored cavalry regiment, and I wanted to be part of that history, and I wanted to be in their tanks, and I wanted to, to, to be part of them. So I actually, it was my first choice. It was the top of my list. So I know that's not everyone's story, um, but it was the top of my list, and the army was happy to oblige and send me here. Um, and when I found out, I found out while we were in that often, when I was in the military, that often people made an idol of the place, right? The place you were at was always the worst place and the worst duty station you've ever been in, and the next one was going to be better. All my problems were going to be solved there. Um, I can live in a better place there, maybe, or I can have better leadership there, maybe. I'll, I'll get involved when I get there, right? We're often making an idol of the place that we're at. Well, I had kind of done that probably in a reverse way than some of you, but I really wanted to be here in, in Killeen and Fort Hood. Um, maybe you weren't in the military. This is happening more often actually now. Most of you, that probably was your story. Some of you uh, are actually have chosen to come to Colleen, Texas. You maybe looked at the price of housing and thought, I could live there. Or maybe you thought, I could start a business there. Or maybe you thought, I can flee from the crazy politics of the place I'm at and move to a place that's more neutral and has better ideology. So you chose Colleen, Texas. It's happening, people. Believe it or not, it is. I'm talking to people more and more who are. Well, if that's you, you might be thinking, well, I'm doing this willing. I'm here. I like this place. Well, uh, uh, I have news for you. God's sovereign over where you are, whether you think you chose it or not. Uh, and you don't get to escape um, his calling for you in that. Your, his call for you to love a city well. He's sovereign over that. And his call to you, if you are a Christ follower, if you claim to be a Christ follower, is to 
uh, follow the Great Commission we see in Matthew 28, right? To go and share the good news, to teach people to obey what God has commanded, to make them disciples, to baptize them. And if you look at that text, which we have already a few days ago or a few weeks ago, and we will a little bit more today, but you'll see it says go and make disciples. But if you look at the original language, it's more of a word of going or in your going. So he's not saying you have to go to the far outreaches of the earth. He's saying in your living, in where I've sent you and where I've placed you, in your going, share the good news. So it is your call, Christ follower, to do that. In his book on evangelism, J. Max Stiles um, talks about the fact that we're ambassadors. If you're a Christ follower, you are an ambassador. An ambassador is somebody who uh, acts on behalf of another power, somebody who has to share or his job is to share the um, the news of the other power. So talking about being ambassadors for Christ specifically and their responsibility to share the message, he says, we must deliver the message regardless of the discomfort produced, the effort required, and the shame endured. Ambassadors exist to deliver messages. So we shout out, be reconciled to God. We may not feel like representatives of the kingdom of God, but that is what we are. If you're a Christ follower, that is what you are. And he goes on to say, it's how we are seen in the spiritual realms, and it's an astounding truth. And he says, of course, we can be good ambassadors, or we could be bad ambassadors. So we're going to look at a bad ambassador today. Jonah is one of the most popular stories in the Bible. Almost everybody knows it, whether or not you grew up in the church. Kids, who knows the story of Jonah? Let me see. We know Jonah, right? What happened in the story of Jonah? Who can tell me what happens first? What happened? He's told by God to go to Nineveh. And what does Jonah do? Somebody else tell me. What does he do? He runs. Who said it? We always have to raise our hands in Sunday school, right? But if I have to pick somebody, it's not going to work. Just shout it out, okay? He runs away from God. God speaks to Jonah, tells him to go to Nineveh, and call out against their evil ways. Because it was an evil city. It was a great city, a big city. It was great to God. We'll see later. But it was an evil city. He was called to go to them to share the good news with them that God would save them if they repented. And what does he do? He goes the other way. He runs. You're right. He runs from what God tells him to do. You know that story. He runs the opposite direction, and he gets swallowed up by a what? A big old fish. A whale, maybe. Your Bible might say whale. It might say big fish. The word is a big fish. He gets swallowed by a big fish. Um, man, if I could follow my notes better, we'd make it there someday today. And that big fish sends Jonah by divine providence to Nineveh. God gives him a different means of transportation. He tried to run away by boat, and God gave him some divine transportation. And God ends up saving the Ninevites. You want to know uh, a funny little aside? You know how many Ninevites there were about? The Bible tells us 120,000 and cattle. You know how many people live in Kaleen about? 150,000, yeah, about. Yeah, pretty crazy. The great city that's talked about in this text seems pretty similar to the great place that God's called you to. But the story comes to an interesting end, and I want to start with the end of this story. Because if you were reading it in the original text, and the way that they use words, the words great and the words bad, over and over in the story, help them to see the ending of the story 
before they even got to it. So I want to let us see the ending of the story before we get to it. So if you're able, would you stand with me in reverence and honor for the reading of God's Word? We're going to read uh, the Word of the Lord from the book of Jonah, and we're actually going to start at the end in chapter 4. This is the Word of the Lord. It says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry because God saved the Ninevites. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you're a gracious God and merciful, that you're slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade until he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die, and he said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Father, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you see the people that we don't, that you see our enemies and that you save. We thank you that you save us. We ask that because of your love for us, as demonstrated on the cross by your Son, that we would love others well, that we'd love the place that you sent us, that we would love this city well, and we do that by sharing your good good news with them. Be with us. Help us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the I Heart Colleen series, if you're new here, it might sound like a joke. It might not sound uh, like we're being serious or real, but I want to tell you that we really are serious. It's not just a t-shirt. It's not just a gimmick. We really do love Colleen. And why do we love Colleen? If you've been here, you know it's because God sent us here and because God loved this city, loves this city, and he calls us to love this city. We love Colleen. It's not a joke. It's where he placed us. Sharing the good news is our specific way that we're going to talk about loving the city today. And like I said already, sometimes we do that willingly. Sometimes we have to do it by the scruff of the neck. The book of Jonah is a call to not be like Jonah. That's one of the main points of this book. So that's my encouragement to you today. If you don't take much else, don't be like Jonah. Okay? Don't be like Jonah. Follow God's call for you. And his call is the Great Commission, to go and make disciples. In your going, make disciples. In the place that He sent you. 
But Colleen, really? Yes, really. And I, as I remind you, have already reminded you a bunch and will continue to remind you a bunch, don't be like Jonah. And there's another poet who reminded us about Jonah. Uh, he's a famous cucumber poet. And he says, Jonah was a prophet, but he really never got it, right? It was sad, but it was true. So it's a call to not be like Jonah. And as we look at that call to share the gospel, uh, we're going to look at three things that happen in the story. There's running that happens in the story, repenting that happens in the story, and redeeming that happens in the story. And as we look at running, I want to recognize that like Jonah, we can run. Whether it's literally you called your branch manager over and over and over and over and over and said, would you please send me anywhere else besides Fort Hood, Texas? Or whether it's by our thoughts or our actions of not actually being loving once we got here, once we've been sent. How are you running away from Colleen, from God's call on you to love this great place that he's divinely placed you in? Have you been neglecting to share the good news with her? Is that your means of running away? When we look at repenting, we'll look at the fact that we must repent from our wrong thoughts, our wrong actions, our wrong thinking. Uh, That's what we say in impact, kids, right? Sin is anything we think, say, or do that displeases God, right? And it starts in our heart. Well, we're going to see that it's starting in Jonah's heart, and he must repent from it. And like he repents, uh, we need to repent as well. We need to share the good news with this city because it's where God's called us and it's what he's told us to do. And then we'll finally look at the redeeming aspects of this story. Uh, We'll see that we can trust God because he's faithful and because he's just to forgive us. That God is kind and he's full of mercy to forgive us and to save us. But also to forgive them and to save them. To forgive our enemies and to save our enemies. To forgive even Kalinites. I was going to say Ninevites, and then Kaleen started to come out. So even the Ninevites, even the Kalinites. What is the word for a clean person? Is there a word for it? I don't even know. Kaleen. Well, let's look back to Jonah chapter 1. Let's look back to Jonah chapter 1. I want to read you the first chapter. So you now know the end of the story. We've read it. We're there. Let's look back to the beginning and hear the story like the original audience would have heard it. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amidia, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he, Jonah, said to them, 
I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. If Jonah won't go to that city of Nineveh, he's going to a great storm. Sin often has a storm attached to it. Are you in storms because of your sin? Are you running from God? Jonah needed God's mercy. But so did the Ninevites. And Jonah refused to go to them. He wanted to deny that very mercy that he needed from those Ninevites. His pride kept him from loving his enemies, not even his neighbors, his enemies, right? Did you see that in verse 8 and 9, right? They ask him, on what account has this evil come? Who are you? Where are you from? Who do you serve? And he answers, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and made the dry land. His actions really showing that that's who he fears and who he loves as he's running away from him, running away from what his call is on his life. He didn't want the wicked pagans to be saved. He was so into his own identity. Did you see how he answered too? The question is asked first, what's your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? What people are you? What does he answer first? Here's my race. This is my identity. I'm a Hebrew. I'm one of the ones that God loves. That's me. Look it, I trust him too. He's the God who created everything. Man, what's your identity in first? Is your identity in God or is it in where you're from or where you used to be or where you might go next? Or are you about what God has for you here, who God is? Jonah's words to them, I'm a Hebrew, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, don't really ring true, right? I don't think he really fears the same way he says he fears as he runs away. Right? And he's in that ship. What's he doing? He goes down into the ship and he's sleeping in the dark of the hole as he runs away from God. He's in the deepest part of that ship, sleeping in the middle of a crazy storm that's scaring seasoned sailors, right? These sailors would have been in a lot of storms and they would have known how to deal with it. Well, this storm was so bad that God hurled upon these sailors that they were afraid. And Jonah's hiding out in the ship, sleeping the sleep of a depressed man, right? I know a story about another uh, wave and crazy sea time that a man was sleeping on a ship. Anybody know that story? You know that one, right? Who was that guy? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, Peter's another one with waves too. Jesus sleeping on, that's a different type of sleep, right? Jesus wasn't sleeping the sleep of depression. He was sleeping the sleep of a man who fully trusted, a man who knew his identity, right? Well, Jonah's running from God and he's sleeping 
this sleep of depression. Well, God restrains from giving Jonah all that he deserves, but he sure does give Jonah some of, his, of what he wanted, right? What was Jonah's response? Throw me in the sea. It seems pretty noble, right? Throw me in the sea. That will save you. No, man, we already read chapter 4. We know Jonah's response. What did he want? He wanted to die. He was running from the Lord, and he wanted to die. So he told them, throw me overboard so that I might die. I would rather die than follow God's call for me to love that great city. So God banishes him. He sends him. He hurls the wave at him, and then those sailors hurl some of their um, equipment off the ship to try and lighten it, try and save him, and then hurl Jonah off to off too, right? But not before they try and save him. They actually show more care for that man than Jonah shows for them or for the Ninevites. These pagans that he didn't want to share the good news with actually show a better idea of what it looks like to care for your neighbor. They show more fear for the Lord and compassion for others than this Israelite does. One of God's people, one of his prophets. And so, I know all that seems good in theory, but when it comes to Colleen, though, right? It's, I mean, there's memes about Colleen, right? What's the first meme about Colleen? Oh, you're going to Colleen, right? Or how about if you go to Colleen, you live in Colleen, you're going to risk your life. What's scary over there? My favorite one, I saw this one when I was at Temple Bible Church, so this is what they think of us, I think. Dad, what's that shadowy place over there? That's Colleen. Simba, never go there, Right? Um, you, you've probably seen lots of them, and these are some of my favorites. But, man, that's all part of that lie, that lie, that idolatry of place. It's the lie that God will withhold from us our ultimate joy if we get stuck in this bad place or if we, we get sent to a place that's not really great. God's not withholding your ultimate joy. God's plans are for you. He is for you, and they are good plans for you and for the city. So, What? Well, Jonah's serving of Yahweh, of God, seems pretty hollow in light of his actions and his race comments and his identity being tied to that. So, where is your identity? Do your responses ring hollow when you talk to other people? If you told somebody that you love Jesus, would it ring hollow or would it ring true? Are your actions, are your thoughts actually of one who loves Jesus? I just realized that the timer's not going, and it's been on 10 minutes the whole time, so I thought I've only been 10 minutes in, so somebody's going to have to tell me when we started and when we need to end. I looked up to check, and it was at 10 minutes still. Um, But how have you been running from Colleen? Have you ran physically? Have you run emotionally by just staying disconnected? Have you ran um, by any inaction, by not doing things that you know you should be doing? Have you run from sharing the good news here at the great place? Where are you supposed to be sharing the good news now, adult? Is it uh, to your neighbors? Is it in your workplace? Is it in the places that you go to frequently over and over and over? What about you, kids? Who are you called to? Who are you called to love and to share the good news with? Friends? Your family? Maybe your siblings? Maybe your teammates on your sports team or your classmates? But... uh, Your dad? Tell your dad the good news. He needs to hear it. You're right. Or are you more afraid, teenagers, of what your friends will say than what God has to say about you and what he's called you to? It's not just for us adults, kids. This is for you too. 
And what do we have to do if we are running? Look at this example. You're supposed to repent. We know that. We hear it all the time. Let's read Jonah's prayer. It's interesting because Jonah's prayer in chapter 2 comes and it's a prayer of thanksgiving. So we don't actually get to really see his repenting. He'll talk about it a little bit. But we did just see a few minutes ago somebody else is repenting. Do you guys remember who repented first before Jonah even repented? The sailors, yeah. Those pagan, rotten, dirty, sinner sailors repented and called out to God. And it's not just a mere foxhole repentance that while everything's going crazy, they say, God, if you save us, we'll come to you. This is real because they make sacrifice to him. They fear him even more after he saves them and calms the storm, right? We see some real repentance from the sailors. We don't see it from Jonah. We get a hint of it. But here's his prayer of thanksgiving. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, and I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. I'm going to pause there for a minute. We're going to look at more repentance of different people besides Jonah. But as we move into that, where was Jonah's repentance? It was at the bottom of the sea. You see that in verse, what was it, Um, 5? The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. Have you all ever had a near-drowning experience? Some of us have, way more than first service. Well, I'll be clear before I tell the story. This is in no way a really, really close to near-drowning experience or anything. But since it's summertime, we've been swimming a little bit more. And my son Joseph has gotten a little too big for his britches, or his swim trunks rather in this case. Um, he has decided that oftentimes he can swim on his own, but he cannot swim on his own. He still needs help, or he still needs a flotation device. Well, we're swimming just yesterday, and he is wearing a noodle, and then I'm helping my other son, and he takes off his noodle, and he just decides to jump in. And I was facing the other way. I didn't see him, but I quickly heard his splashing, his reaching out for help, his calling out for help, and I Got over there as quick as I could. Got a little cramp in my leg trying to move so fast and hold Samuel up in my head while I reach over to grab Joseph. But he was drowning. He needed help. He repented. That's, that's what we see in the story. It's a Jonah is a, is a psalm of thanksgiving, but we see a hint of his repentance. It's at the bottom of the sea. Um, calls out for help. And at a basic level, that's what repentance is. It's reaching out for help. It's calling out for help. But repentance has another part to it, too. It's turning away from our sin. And we'll see that Um, not from Jonah, actually, in this text. We'll see it from the Ninevites. So let's look at chapter 3. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Think he'll go this time? So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. 
Jonah began to go in the city, going just a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything, let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger, so that we may not perish. See that repentance from those Ninevites, from those people that Jonah didn't even want to go to, they were his enemy, the other. Man. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Are you listening now, Jonah? You didn't want to come willingly, so I grabbed you by the scruff of the neck. I took you where I need you to go. So Jonah sought, sought, to, sought to flee from God by buying passage on a sip, ship. God provided him with free passage back to Noah. He didn't even have to uh, back to Nineveh. He didn't have to buy it. And did you see the Ninevites' repentance? How it was different. That was repentance that turned away. It gave up its evil ways. And you might think, well, the king decreed it, right? But did you see that they actually repented first, and the word of their repentance came to the king. And then he repented too. That was real repentance, genuine repentance, not just a mandated response from the king. It was real repentance. You know, an interesting little thing here about the fasting of the animals and all the creatures being put in the sackcloth and ashes. Uh, we see that in the creation account too, right? Our sin, sin affects all of creation. And if you need proof of that, you come up after service and look at all this poison ivy on my arms and hands. Come smell my calamine lotion. That is proof that sin affects all of creation. And if you want more proof too, look at all the wasps in our backyard and my daughter's response when I have to kill or exterminate them. Um, she is so saddened by when I have to kill a wasp. I told her, baby, they can live anywhere else besides on our back porch, okay? Um, but she loves God's creation and she's sad when that happens and she's right. Well, what's, what's our application? We were running from God. What do we need to do? We need to repent. So, yes, repenting is our point, and that's our application too. Repent. The kingdom of heaven's at hand. Call out. Reach out. Turn from your sin. Turn from your evil ways. Stop running from God. He's called you specifically for today here to Colleen, to love Colleen. Love her well by sharing the gospel with her. Talk to someone after the service if you don't know what it means to follow Jesus. If you're having a hard time loving where God's called you to, we're going to have a couple up front. They're going to be willing to talk to you and share Jesus with you. If you don't know who Jesus is and have no clue why anybody would even do this, why would these sailors turn to him? Why would these Ninevites turn to him? Why would I turn away from what I like to do? Come talk to somebody. We want to talk to you. If you don't know how or you don't want to talk to somebody, pray to the creator of the universe, because he cares for you. We saw Jonah's prayer, right? Jonah's was a beautiful prayer of thanksgiving. And maybe kids, you think, that's a beautiful prayer. I can never pray like that. Or maybe really adults think that too, right? Well, I've got a couple books to help you out if you want to look into them. I have a few that were missing from my office. So if you took them, bring them back. I'd love to have those 
books on prayer back. Valley of Vision is a great book. It's a book of Puritan prayers. If you don't know how to pray, it's just a book full of prayers um, to help you pray. You can also pray. uh, This is a guidebook. It's called Praying in Public, a guidebook for prayer in corporate worship specifically, but it also gives a lot of examples of prayers. And lastly, you can be like Jonah. Jonah's prayers were full of Scripture. He looked at the Psalms. He knew Scripture. And as he thanked God and cried out to God, he prayed Scripture. So if you don't know how to pray, pray Scripture. And if you still want to talk to somebody about prayer too, somebody will be up here to talk. Repent. Pray to the Creator. Um, You know, kids, when I said you were thinking the beautiful prayers, you want to know the truth. It was us adults. And here's how I know what Mr. Steve said earlier, what Mr. Guest said, right? God tells us to be like you, to be like children who trust Him, to be like children who talk to their daddy, right? That's our call, adults, to be like children, to have faith like a child. And you know, we often sing this at bedtime. Most of you kids probably know this song because we learned it a few months ago with Miss Heather in elementary ministry, the song about always running to Jesus because He's strong and kind. We can always run to Jesus. We run to Him in prayer. So I gave you some books on prayer. Uh, I'm going to read you just chapter 3, verse 10, as we move into talking about the final R of redeeming, because we already read all of chapter 4. We'll highlight some, but let's see um, what God does in response to the Ninevites' repentance. He says in verse 10 of chapter 3, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. And what happens? Jonah gets upset and angry, exceedingly angry, it says, right? That's probably the biggest issue that Jonah wrestles with in the book. It's the character of God, his grace, his compassion, his love. And Jonah's fine with that on himself. But on those others over there, he doesn't want that. When God saves the pagan sailors and the wicked city, Jonah becomes furious and angry. The book highlights that double standard that Jonah has, right? It's a challenge to us as religious people who come to church, right? How are we seeing God's goodness and mercy and compassion bestowed upon us and not wanting to share that with others and not wanting to love our city well? Well, Jonah protested God's compassion. He gets angry that God doesn't punish the Ninevites. And God's questions there, those two questions, um, what does he ask him? Do you do well to be angry in verse 4? And then in verse 10, he tells him that he pitied the plant for which he didn't labor. He didn't make it grow. It came into being in a night and it perished, but he didn't even care about the people of Nineveh and all the cattle even too. Right? So God's question about the reasonableness of his compassion, it's left hanging. We don't get an answer to that question, right? We don't see if Jonah repented. We don't see if Jonah actually turned from his sins. But you know what we do get to see? That the Ninevites did. That the city did. It's left for you to decide what happens to you, right? That's how this text finishes. It's for you to look at and say, man, am I going to be like Jonah? and be drugged to share the gospel by the scruff of my neck? Or am I going to do it willingly because it's what God's called me to do? That's left for you to decide. So you can't oppose God and succeed. You can't expect Him to be unfaithful to His own character of patience and forgiveness and His eagerness to forstay harm. 
You can't do it. So you need to look at yourself. Jonah looked at the others and he saw their real idols. But he didn't look at the idols in his own heart. Have you looked at your idols? What are your idols? What are your errors? How can you not be like Jonah? Recognize where you've erred, where your thoughts and actions and the things you've said have displeased God and repent from them. Stop turning back to them. Turn back to God. Get your heart in step with God's heart. He sent you here to Colleen. He called you to this city, so love this city. And the way you can do that is by following the Great Commission, by in your going, sharing the good news with them. And if you're not doing that, repent and turn back to God. Because the length God went for us and Jesus are a lot different than the lengths that he's asking you to go, right? And adults, that's a kid's problem. Or that's a adults. Kids, that's an adult problem. If I could read, we could get through this. Well, maybe, maybe not, right? But the answer is the same to you. Don't follow Jonah's example. And it's also, I'm telling you, don't follow us, the adults' example, kids. Don't do it. Follow Jesus and his example. He is the better Jonah. He's the Jonah that went all the way into the depths for us and rose again to prove that his sacrifice was good enough. So the book's about Jonah. It's about his hatred towards his enemies, but it's also and especially about God and his compassion that no one should oppose God's mercy in receiving sinners into his kingdom. And if you want help with figuring out how to share the good news, I have a few books for you. This is Evangelism by J. Max Stiles. That was the one I quoted earlier about being an ambassador. Excellent book about evangelism, about how to share the good news. That word evangelism means sharing the good news. You've heard me say it several times. We talk about a lot, the Great Commission. If you're not sure what that is, I have a book I'd love you to read. It's a small one. Understanding the Great Commission. So I marked ever tells you about what that mission is, about that going. And then I also have another book. This is called The 3D Gospel. It's for ministry and guilt, shame, and fear cultures. It's about how you can share the gospel to different people. Colleen has a lot of people from a lot of different cultural backgrounds, and they hear things differently than you hear things. And this is a way that you can share the gospel to different people. And then finally, I have a book. It's more of a devotional. It's called A Field Guide for Everyday Missions. It's by Ben Conley and Bob Roberts Jr. It's a 30-day devotional with 101 ways to demonstrate the gospel, to share the gospel of Jesus. How you can do that in your daily life. We want to encourage you in that. Again, there'll be a couple up front who would love to pray for you about that, uh, about that, with you about those things, whether it's about turning from your sin and trusting Jesus, if you've never trusted Jesus before, if you claim to love Jesus and you haven't been, about turning back to him. And if it's about evangelism and not sharing the gospel and wanting to learn about it, they'd love to talk to you about that and pray about it. They'll be up front at the end of the service. And I'm expecting there to be so many of you that we need 16 people up there instead of just our normal two. How about that? Well, what's our purpose? What's our focus here in the text? That Jonah failed and that we fail, but God doesn't fail. Jonah's little sermon Sermon that's only five words in the original text, right? Forty days from now, Nineveh will be overthrown. That's it. That's the whole sermon he sends. sends. But the book's not really about his message that he sends. He doesn't even get to give his whole message, right? We're told that that city was a three days journey to get through the whole city. And by the end of the first day, they're already repenting. It wasn't about his message. It was about his difficulty with the Lord's mission that he'd been given. It's about the outcome that God would give, an outcome that Jonah was determined to resist. 
So I wanted to come here. Maybe you all didn't want to come here. I might have come willingly. Maybe none of you will admit that, at least out loud. But I have good news for you. The good news is that not just, Jonah didn't just never get it, and we don't never get it, but we actually have a God who's a God of second chances, right? The, the poet Cucumber told us that one too. Um, but the basic message of the book is don't be like Jonah. So what's your application? Besides don't be like Jonah, impact's coming, guys. How can you help share the good news? That's the biggest push our church does for evangelism throughout the whole year. It's spearheaded by our youth. So youth, you might be doing that already. If you're not, how can you be part of it even if you can't be at clubs every week? Kids, who, what friends can you invite? Parents, how can you help those kids share the good news? Can you provide a meal? Can you drive some cars? Can you just pray for them like Steve talked to you about? Well, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know why we would care so much about God's penetrating love into our hearts, why we would love the city and the people around us, if you think we're absolutely crazy, we would love for you to come up and talk to somebody about it. Um, but we better show, if you are a Christ follower, be a good ambassador. Show that love to others by sharing the good news with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us despite our evil ways and despite our wickedness. We thank you that you can give us examples of people to follow in the text, in Scripture, and examples of people not to follow. We ask that we would not be like Jonah, that you would not have to grab us by the scruff of our neck, but that you would allow us to come willingly. We thank you for your Son, whose work on the cross is the reason that we can be redeemed, the reason that you can break, that our chains can be broken. We thank you for that. We ask you that you would help us to trust you more, that in trusting you more, we would love you more, and because of your love for us and our love for you, that we would love this city well. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.